I'll take that seriously and go, all right, that didn't work for you. And then I'll, and I take it as gold. Like, wow. Okay. This didn't work. They've already tried this. Um, now did it not work? Why didn't it work? Start analyzing that. Um, is it the, the, the execution of the idea? Maybe they just didn't execute the idea right. If they executed the idea beautifully, then you go, okay, what other factors may have contributed to that failing? Um, you know, so if somebody's a naysayer and Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got part two with Carlos Salaf. Carlos, uh, on part one, we talked about these amazing cars you designed and the the attention, the GQ and Rob Report and uh, big car magazines and, and where that's gone after, you know, going to Art Center and um, working with BMW and Mazda and all these folks. Um, and you said that uh, really one of the fun things for you to talk about is everything in addition to cars. Um, you gave us a little bit of a teaser there at the end of part one, but um, can you dive in? A little bit about Vibe and aerospace and some of these other things you're looking at. Can we can we hear about some of that? Yeah, I would love to. So as a kid growing up, you know, I was always tinkering with with RC cars and planes, as I mentioned before. And so that's always been. I feel like if you go back to your childhood and look at what you really love, like it's that kind of helps you out in your career as an adult, <laughs> you know. And and so that that interest in aerospace and interest in the future, you know, I was always a major sci-fi geek and uh, I was always super into Star Wars. Although many would argue that's not sci-fi, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just always thinking about the future and constantly am now. And so one thing that an interesting opportunity that came up is. Um, my now good friend Philip Shehad, she, he saw uh, the work I was doing on the C2 and had started a company called Vibe and had done something really interesting where he took a um, Ford um, van, a transit van, and put a couple of large TVs in there and comfy seating with tables and um, and a technology package in there that lets you teleconference and um, do a lot of work-related tasks, uh, connect very, you know, good internet connection and connection to, to office tools and some experiential things with lighting um, that kind of turn it into more of a, a party lounge. And he said, you know, we spend so much time on the road and, you know, in front of the steering wheel, in, in back of the steering wheel. <laughs> and uh, facing forward in these confined seats, that's the old way of, of moving around. And, you know, I was hearing what he was saying. I saw the prototype van he had built. I was thinking about autonomous vehicles that are on the horizon. I thought, you're right. Like, this is this kind of architecture and a essentially a new type of architectural space where you can be productive uh, during your commutes and play during your commutes is the future. And so that's what we're doing with Vibe. And so I came on to this startup and we're, we're um, essentially creating the next generation, you know, after the prototype they built of vehicles. And we are showing our first offerings um, next month, at the end of next month. So I'm very, you know, I'm very excited about that. So that'll be February 2020. February 2020. And is yeah. is there a website or what's the you know people who want to watch for that? Where's the best place for them to go yeah, see that? We have our 
website up yet. Um, basically, the work that I've been doing after I came on. Um, that's not ready yet, so we haven't unveiled the new the new stuff. But you can see the concept. You can even book the van, the prototype van, through Yelp. Um, is it the, in New York or where is it? No, it's it's in California in, in Los Angeles. Okay. So um, the the current website is vibevans.la, vibe, V-I-B-E, vans.la. And you can check out the kind of the core of the technology and the core of the concept there. And then you can go on Yelp and you can actually book the van and go for a ride in it and see what it's like. And um, people kind of flip out over the, the experience of that and the concept itself. So I'm thinking, man, wait till they see what we're doing now with the whole with the whole passenger experience and tech. You know, I think it's going to be exciting. Well, um, I'm I'm just clicking on vibe vibevans.la right now. Um, uh, by the way, where, where in LA? Like out in Santa Monica or down in up in the valley or all over? Yeah, they're. Pretty much, if you want to book the van, you can, yeah, be anywhere in southern, you know, Los Angeles. Um, you can do longer trips as well. So, well, you know, being somebody so integrated into the industry, um, what do you see in the future of vehicles, electric, autonomous, these kind of things that maybe, you know, CNN hasn't caught up on yet? What do you, What do you think is coming that not everybody realizes? Well, I think people think about a car that drives itself, but I think. The exciting thing is the thought of a of you of a wonderful like beautiful architectural space that just happens to have wheels, and so that that's really more of the approach that that we have right now, and uh, it's it's not this confined experience where everyone's facing forward and all you can really do is sort of get on your device and you're essentially arrayed around a driver. Um, so once you take those constraints out of the equation, it really frees up what the, what a car can be, you know? It's sort of like cinefaz and peep, you know? A car becomes something, I'm referring to, you know, Magritte's pipe, you know? The famous pipe painting, it's not a pipe, you know? So it's sort of, <laughs> you know, so semantics get changed and the word car becomes something totally different. I, and I think that's what's going to happen. The old version of car, I think, will still be around for us enthusiasts who still want to use a gated shifter and, you know, go on a back road. Hopefully all that will be well curated because I'm a huge fan of that. Um, but I think for most of us, the experience will be very different. It will be a a space for productivity, for play, for rest that just happens to be moving you to where you're going and life will be more seamless where you'll be working on something, you'll get to your office, you'll continue that work that you were doing when you were in the vehicle, that you were doing from home. Um, and so I think we'll, we'll be a lot more productive as a society and more rested too and not so stressed out, you know, with that the tension that we have on a, you know, terrible commute, you know, on the 405 or something, you know, where you're just banging the steering wheel. So, well, I love this. And I, I think my next question is back to something that you brought up that you've been thinking about economics more often. You know, there's so many of us that um, it's, it's fun and exciting and novel to think about the future and want to do something to help invent the future. Um, but when the economic model hasn't been worked out, um, it can be such a struggle, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, because, yeah, maybe this will pay off enormously in the long run. Um, but uh, what about paying the mortgage between now and then? Right. Yeah. So yes. as you think about things like this, um, do you have any kind of principles or any kind of ideas for for paying the mortgage along the way for people who are trying to innovate, who are trying to 
maybe invent a new category or or do something that's drastically different that uh, the customers haven't exactly shown up in droves yet? Well, I think our society is very deficient in that. Um, I won't go into like universal basic income and stuff like that right now, but... <laughs> I feel like right now it's very hard for people to make a jump into what they love because we're so worried about covering our mortgage, covering our health care. Um, so I think one of the, the only options right now is, you know, staying in that job, but, you know, working on your thing on the side. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that, as I said in the, the last part of the podcast, that I think that the opportunity we have of sharing our work is unprecedented and in that's really um, a huge, it's a hugely powerful tool um, to creating teams. You know, when you put your work out there, you, you find a kindred that says, hey, you know, I, I what you're doing and that perfectly complements what I'm doing. What if we, we form something? You know, and I, I, that, go, go that ahead. Lead, sorry. Yeah, I was just thinking that that can lead to an enterprise right there, you know, so. Well, I think about, so for the last 10 years, we've run a charity called Child Rescue Association that combats child sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a huge passion of ours. Um, unfortunately, it happened in my wife's family, so we feel really passionate about it. If anybody wants to check it out, go to childrescueassociation.org. But it has been fascinating to me how many folks have been willing to come help and get involved, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and that they, all, that they don't all need a paycheck up front, you know? And, right. Um, and it's interesting how many of the friends from that have got involved in our other business activities, the entrepreneurial side, who, again, you know, people that I, I would not have even thought to invite to be part of our stuff because they're just, they're too high level. There's no way they're going to take, you know, whatever this new crazy idea we've been starting is and want to be a part of that for free. And then, they, but they do. And there's like, in some ways, it's almost like um, we've framed the payoff in life too narrowly that it always needs to be brought back to dollars, right? Yep. Um, so, to me, I feel like I've seen a bit of that. And then, you know, one, I guess as I'm looking at, at the vibe vans here, um, one of the ideas that, that maybe comes to mind to me, I'd love to have you weigh in on is like, when you think about being able to have investors take the risk to try something out, right? The idea of like, hey, we're not jumping straight from, from uh, our car today to the cars off of Minority Report, right? Like, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take a van and we're going to go, you know, same, same, but different, right? And yep. we can probably get customers for that a lot faster, which can help fuel the growth to the next level, to the next level. Do you see it that way? Or what would you say about that? Definitely. I think our CEO, Philip Shahad, is, is, he's very smart with what's, what can we do right now and, um, and get started, what makes business sense and something, though, that has a lot of future potential. So I think we're creating passenger experience right now that will be very valuable to electric car platform makers and to uh, automated technology companies. It would be a, a complement to that. But today, a human driver <laughs> you know, can be there, um, but you get a very similar experience to what it would be if it was an automated space. So, yeah, no, and I, but I love what you were saying also about about your organization and how people come out to to work with you on that. Like there's some projects that are just so exciting that like you don't need to be paid. And I feel like down the road, if you show your work, if you have the opportunity to create something, other people who are going to pay you are going to see it and go, oh, wait, wait, you did that. That's awesome. Can you do this here? And it's paying. So you just don't know. I feel like the, the main thing is just to. If you if you have the luxury and the t of following your passion, 
And what you've got is some time to do it. You should do it. And whether it's paid or not, and people are going to see it. Like there's certain things that I would do just to do it. And, you know, and I do. (laughs) And it's because um, it makes, brings joy just to do that activity and be around those people. And, um, and you don't know where that's going to go. I think if you put that energy out there and that type of work out there, it will lead to more projects that are like that because people will see that and it's going to lead to the next one that's like that. You know what I mean? Well, I, I do know what you mean. I, you know, I think like this, we were talking beforehand about the real estate investment trust, the Greystoke Investments is starting, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason is because it has such a big economic driver, I'll be able to afford to self-fund a lot of child rescue, right? Um but I look at it and I think um, we've had such big wins. Um, I, I have this friend, Mitch Warner, who I used to work for. He's a great guy. And he would say, if you want money, if you want advice, go ask people for money. If you want money, go ask people for advice. Right. And it has been interesting. We've been able to sit down with some exceedingly wealthy individuals and asking for advice of like, you know, we've got the experts, we've got the people we think we're thinking about it right, but can I get your advice? Or is there anything that you see that we don't? And we've had multiple yeah. of them give us good advice and then volunteer. You know, like the first couple of guys volunteered to put in a million each to start us off, you know? Awesome. And, yeah. and uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I was hoping for something like that, right? But really, um, I was genuinely there to get advice because they had accomplished things. You know, back to Art Center, learning from people who have actually accomplished what you want to get done, Right. I was genuinely there for advice, and uh, and it's interesting because um, uh, again, one of these you know guys who sold four tech companies, he's worth millions of dollars, uh, was asking him for advice. He he volunteered to become one of our first investors without being asked, and um, just this week he signed up to be on our advisory board for free. I'm like, wow, I can't That's afford my- you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> your passions and your values so well that you it's like you didn't really have to do much except introduce them to that idea and he's like I'm I'm in it <laughs> well one of the principles that you just brought up that um so one of our partners at our fund her name's Lindsay Hadley she's hero friend she's a great great person um and I feel like what I've learned from her so much over the years she she has helped investment funds and charities and she gets like she really thinks about scratching other people's backs first Like where you talked about this van being able to intentionally design it now to be of benefit for the next wave of, you know, with when it comes to autonomous and electric vehicle um, manufacturers and service providers and stuff like where you guys are intentionally designing something that will like you're you're essentially cutting new trail for them. Like it's going to be really easy to become for them to want to be friends with you when you're out there doing something that's going to scratch their back. Right. And like I've watched Lindsay like. She'll find something really unique that's making the world better. She'll get um, she'll get these billionaires to get involved if she can get these celebrities to cover it, and and then she gets this you know world scale media company Forbes or you know whatever big media outlet to cover it, and she's like she's basically invented this like round robin of everybody scratches their back, and then it gets enough attention that they raise millions of dollars for for you know relieving unnecessary suffering or you know, doing a new impact investment fund with the Vatican bank or, or whoever she's helping, you know, um, wow. can you, can you talk about, um, as, as you think about, I don't know whether it's mentors or just successful businesses you've seen of the, the advantages sometimes of thinking of others first, instead of just our own mortgage. Definitely. Um, because immediately you're bringing people together. 
I think if you can find what someone else needs to address that, you're creating a community and you're creating, you're bringing together common values. When you're telling me about your organization, it just, it's amazing the way it's like, it's like judo or something like the way, the way that people will come together around an idea around a val common value, commonly shared value. So I definitely feel like in, earlier in my life, it was more like I have this vision and this is what it's got to be like. I've got to get this vision out there. And now I feel like it's more I have a vision, but I really want to know if it, if, if you, uh, you know, align with that, then how would you do it differently? Or I'm, I'm a lot more open to um, collaboration. Um, and like, we're, like you were doing, just asking for advice. I think that's really wise. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. Meeting people where they are, you know what I mean? And, and joining together. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. If I'm articulating that no, well, no. I think I, I think I'm I think I'm getting what you're picking. I think I'm picking up what you're putting down there. And my my assessment here is that you're you're probably more humble than me. This is something I feel like I've had to work at, and it's and it's been unfortunately very large failures um, in business that have taught me like, oh, Jess, you're not the smartest guy, you know, and like, and even if you were, um, you just your thoughts could never be as powerful as getting enough of the right people to contribute. When you think about times that you're really passionate about something, um, but you kind of have that tingle, I should probably get some advice, even if even if I even if I think they may not be as excited about this as I am, and it might be a bit of a downer, um, I should get up there and consider other people's viewpoints. Do you have any tips for <laughs> having the humility to ask even when you're worried you don't want the answer? Um, hmm, that's a good one. There's always that fear, I think. When you whenever you put an idea out there, it's this like precious thing and you want people to to see what you see. Um, I would just I think if it's someone you I wouldn't put the idea out to someone you don't really trust. Um, if it's someone you trust, somebody you love, you know, um, then I think they're going to come at it from a place of trust and love and they're not going to intentionally try to tear you down or something. So I think as long as you're wise with the people you you have as advisors, mm. um, then you can put it out there and you know that what the response is going to come from a place of love and to try to help you to grow. And you can, no matter what the answer is, you can take it and and then and then and even when you do have that answer it's just an idea back to you so you can consider the idea and go does that resonate with me does that align with my values and and does my gut agree with that and sometimes you need to just sleep on it a little while too and just sometimes like i'm definitely one to be like i want things done right now but i've learned to go you know what if i sleep on it i'm gonna wake up fresh and i'm gonna be able to think of through this better. And go, hey, you know what maybe they were right what if I tried it that way and then maybe you dabble, you try it that way and then maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But that's sort of a little bit of my process of interacting. And But seeking out the advice of trusted people, I think, is always a wise move. You know, um, so, so I love that advice. I, I think you're right. We really need to consider the source and we need to think about um, almost what filter their advice came through, right? Is mm. there a filter because they want to let us know how smart they are? Is there filter because they're genuinely trying to selflessly help us? Is there filter that um, they want to be seen as being good, being given good advice? You know, like where where is that advice coming from on their side can be helpful. Um, but I think this warrants a, a little, little more discussion. I know we're we're about it at the end of part two here. But when when you're doing something new, which you've you've done, um, do you have any guides? for 
parsing between um, even if it even if the intention was good, even if they thought they were giving me advice for for my benefit, they don't have my vision. And so even though they said that when I'm going with my gut and I'm looking at other evidence that I've got, I think it's okay to ignore that bit of the advice. Can you can you talk about like because for me there's like I just want to believe I'm right and that's really led me astray in the past. So then I have that uncertainty of like, well, are they right or are they just too limited by the past? Mm-hmm. You know, can, can you can you talk about like trying to navigate those those unknowns there? Wow, <laughs> these are such great questions. Um, it's definitely case by case. Um, when somebody tells you all the reasons why it won't work, in their opinion, and they're coming from experience, I'll take that seriously and go, all right, that didn't work for you, and then I'll and I take it as gold. Like, wow, okay, this didn't work. They've already tried this. Um, now, did it not work? Why didn't it work? Start analyzing that. Um, is it the, the, the execution of the idea? Maybe they just didn't execute the idea right. If they executed the idea beautifully, then you go, okay, what other factors may have contributed to that failing? Um, you know, so if somebody's a naysayer and it's with, yeah, it comes with experience and there's good reason to listen, then you should really work through what they're saying. Um, but if you feel this burning in your gut to do something, you've got to listen to that voice and find a way. Maybe the solution isn't going to be what you, it initially you thought it would be, but you capture the essence of the idea in some other way. Um, but then, yeah, we're all human too. We've got to remember that too. Is you know we're so take you know take it with a grain of salt too. <laughs> You know, uh, if you really believe in something, don't let someone crush your spirit and, and like crush that dream because that's there for a reason. I really believe that you have that dream for a reason. You've got to listen to that voice. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe this will be the last one for me. But if I do, you know, I, I've gotten to that place. I've I have chosen to fix some things because I actually did listen to people, even though I didn't I didn't want to hear that that part was a bad idea. The more I was honest about it, got to that place of like radical self-honesty, I realized I think they are right. They do have that experience. They're, they are a credible source for that. I've edited. But there's still these things that, you know, a bunch of people don't get. And yet I feel fa- feel passionate about. Do you have any ideas mm-hmm. about deciding to take that step forward in faith, but, you know, not not taking such a giant leap that I'm risking my family's future? Like, Can you talk about the guts to try it, but also the measuredness to make that small bet survivable if I if it ends up that I'm wrong? Right. No, I mean, if you have a family, you definitely have to think about a contingency. <laughs> and you have to, I know this, I, you know, I'm married with two kids. And we did this together, married with two kids, and, um, you know, left a stable job <clears throat> to follow this dream. And the journey had all sorts of ups and downs. Um, but I made sure that we had like a, a floor, you know, the whole way. And uh, a lot of that was just, I have an awesome family and I know that like, we were not going to end up on, we weren't going to end up on the street. <laughs> um, so that was, a, I would say a huge blessing. Cause a lot of people don't have that, that safety net. Um, but I did, I guess the point is though, I did think about, I did think about that, but I also married a dreamer. Um, and she, we both, when we got married, we said, we want to go on an adventure together. And this was, you know, something we went into with both eyes wide open. Um, but yeah, you know, I I feel like you bring up something that doesn't get talked enough about in entrepreneurship and innovation. 
which is your spouse. You know, like we, we have yeah. so much advice and so many books that talk about like this is a singular, this, that this is a decision just purely on our part, right? And if I was going to make an overgeneralization, I would say it's a lot of my, my male friends who are gutsier. You know, like I find the, the women who are successful entrepreneurs, um, m- many of them I feel like are a bit more measured as they pursue things. And I see a lot of guys drive a wedge in their marriage because they take more risk before they've warmed her up to it, right? And man, it is entrepreneurship is so tough. If you have to come home and fight battles too, instead of like spending that extra effort and potentially spending that patience to let her get comfortable and have it be a journey that you're both going on. I mean, it just makes life so much harder, don't you think? I do. I do. And I I mean, I'm just thankful. Like my wife is, she's a brilliant writer and she's just as adventurous. So so she's coming from an artist's point of view and artists are, you know, quite romantic. So sometimes we we jump into it because we don't know what, you know, the things that would dissuade us. Like maybe if we knew all the, if we would have (laughs) known. Isn't that true for every entrepreneur? Like you can't know statistics too well and choose to be an entrepreneur, right? You just can't. I mean, if, if we knew everything, a lot of things we just wouldn't do, right? But what's funny is as much hardship as we've been through getting to where we are, it's we'd still do it because so much came out of it. It's sort of like that saying, like, shoot for the stars and you'll land on the moon. You know, if you, if you really, I believe if you really earnestly like reach out with a, like a burning dream, like you're going to land somewhere special and that it may not be exactly the destination you'd imagine, but it's, it's going to be pretty cool. And putting yourself out there again, like it's, you're going to meet kindreds that are going to, no, I love it. It oh. reminds me of what you said in part one about Robert Downey Jr. and doing that movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang that wasn't a box office success, but, you know, got him the Iron Man part, which went on to do hundreds of millions, you know, in box office, right? right? And uh, he's become yeah. an extremely wealthy man from that and all this stuff, right? Um, you know, I, I want to, one of the founders of Google, and I want to say it was Sergey Brin, has a quote says, um, when we try things, and I'm going to misquote it, but it says something like, when we try things, it's hard to fail all the way. And the point is like, even if it doesn't pan out the way you want, it's really hard not to have learned something, you know? Yes. And so it's like, if it's a survivable bet, if you haven't put it all on red, right? Robert Downey Jr. didn't get kicked out of being an actor because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang didn't, didn't do a billion dollars like Avengers, right? So if it's a survivable small bet, you're likely to get something out of it that will move you forward. You know, like you're saying, like, look, the Vive Vans, Aerospace, all these options that have come to you from doing your like individual concept cars, which, you know, frankly, not a lot of folks do at the scale and that you've done. They do drawings and post them online or something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's always worth it just to shoot, just go shoot for the stars. And you realize that when you fall flat on your face, most of the time, well, I'm here to say I didn't die. So, you know, it's like <laughs> I hear, you know, always say like, I bombed and I bombed and I bombed and finally the jokes got good. And so I still bomb sometimes, but then I get on the next night and like I, I went up there and I bombed and I realized I didn't die, you know? And so I feel like it's good. It's good to get out there and get it handed to you a few times and realize like you're not going to die from that. You're still there. And sometimes your, your vision will be met with, praise sometimes people won't get it at all but and and you don't know which one when it's going to happen either like you put it out there and 
you don't know if people will love it or hate it and that's just the way it goes and sometimes they do some so I feel like you just have to do what you love because as long as you enjoy the process of creating something that you believe in you've you've won it can't be based on what people think of it um, because we can never meet others expectations you know and it, even if we get a hundred rave reviews and one person says the worst thing they've ever seen that hurts so like you just can't go off of what other people say either like you got to follow what you believe in in your heart so. Yeah, I love it. Well, listen, um, I know we're a bit over time here. Maybe for a closing question, I'll ask um, you, you choose either. Um, no, th this choose is the one advantage. I want to hear. This is what I want to hear. Uh, what do you feel like is one of the best pieces of advice you ever received? Wow. My dad, he said <laughs> when I was a kid and my dad's an accomplished concert violinist. So this this he he's one of he's a real one. Like he followed his dream and it's something that most people would be like is an impossible career, right? Like you should become a doctor, a lawyer. That was like his generation's parents would have told him that. And well, I had a really awesome grandfather who didn't say that. My grandfather said to him, to to my father, Hey son, if you want to be a garbage man and that's what you love, you love being a garbage man, like go do that. And uh my dad my dad said the same thing to me and you know most people aren't going to go into the you know sanitary arts out of passion but <laughs> the, the, you know, but the point is like if if you do what you love that right in itself is going to be fulfilling um and the other stuff usually follows when you love what you do because when you you love something you are willing to endure the storm of making it happen uh and you you make it great because you believe in it so love it that's the thing that's stuck with me the most through life. That's awesome. Well, everybody, um, check out uh, uh, salaf.com, S-A-L-A-F-F.com. Follow across the stuff. Uh, really interested. I'm going to be checking the vibevans.la <laughs> here in uh, the end of February. I want to see what you guys are doing there. Uh, Carlos, thanks for spending so much time with us here today. Thanks for the opportunity, Jess. You bet. See you, everybody.